Super Bowl 25, January 27, 1991, the Buffalo Bills versus the New York Giants. Although it was Super Bowl Sunday in America, for the men and women serving in Operation Desert Storm, it was Super Bowl Monday. Whatever day it was for you, no one who ever saw and heard it will ever forget the greatest rendition of our country's national anthem in the history of our great nation. And now to honor America, especially the brave men and women serving our nation in the Persian Gulf and throughout the world, please join in the singing of our national anthem sung by Grammy Award winner Whitney Houston. I can't speak for everybody, but it is also the greatest live performance that I've ever seen and heard in my entire life. I've got to go back a few days before the Super Bowl, back to Escon Village 30 years ago. Uh, We all wanted to see the Super Bowl. There was not a lot of television access where we were, and nobody. there was no community center or place where we could all go watch it in some central location. But there was an organization that still exists to this very day called the Army Air Force Exchange Service, the PX and the BX. It's basically the military's version of Walmart or Target, depending who you ask. 
And we got together, several of us, and said, we'll pitch in money out of our own pocket to purchase one television. I think it was like a 14-inch color television with the rabbit ears and the, you know, kunk, kunk, kunk knob that you could turn. And Armed Forces Television was going to be broadcasting the Super Bowl. And Armed Forces Television, they just did things. They would have like a segment of CNN, a segment of the BBC. And sometimes there would be nothing, uh, just a test pattern for Armed Forces Television. But we had heard that we would be able to watch the Super Bowl if we had a television, and we made the decision. We'll, we'll pitch in, buy the television, and then at the end of the war, whenever that's going to be, we'll just put all of our names in a hat, and somebody will win that television. And somebody did win that television. I can still remember him walking off the plane holding it when we got back to San Antonio. I did not win that television, by the way. And so we had that TV. My memory is that the Super Bowl in Saudi Arabia started in the 3 or 4 o'clock hour on Monday morning. That's why the name of this episode is called Super Bowl Monday. And, of course, you know, the Super Bowl in America, it is our secular holiday. It happens on Sunday, so most people are off. It happens in the evening, so most people are finished with their, you know, the church and things like that. And for my part, as we sat down to watch it with no interest in, you know, in terms of my favorite team being the Pittsburgh Steelers, I didn't really have a preference as to who won. I simply wanted to see, like everybody else, a good game. And of course, Super Bowl 25 was a classic, a last second loss by the Bills when Scott Barr's field goal missed the mark and the Giants won by one point. But it was a tremendous improvement over the year before in 1990 when the San Francisco 49ers issued a 55 to 10 beatdown on the hapless who were they the, the Denver Broncos yeah they beat the the Denver Broncos by some outrageous score i think it was 55 to 10 and so this super bowl was just perfect and so I want to share with you my recollections 30 years later. If you want to know why I don't believe that I've evolved from a monkey or you know, two frogs got hit by lightning and started making babies that turned into humans, it's because only a life form that God created could still get chills hearing that Whitney Houston rendition of the national anthem 30 years later. My friend John Wilkening, his wife Crystal, posted something back during Christmas time on social media. Is there a song that ever made you cry? Nobody will ever admit that they were moved to tears uh, when we were there in the war watching that on television that Monday morning in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, we were all really close, I've got to tell you. There was a, a, was a discernible lump in my throat. And so I want to take you back to the moment when this happens. We have this whole plan on how we're going to watch. We're going to wake one another up. Uh, I was not on guard duty that night. We had spent the week after we purchased the TV doing some pretty silly things. We were stealing forks from the mess hall to create an antenna that we could throw over the balcony because we thought that would improve the reception. Uh, we did, had no idea how this stuff worked. I mean, it's not cable television. This is old-fashioned, over-the-air, rabbit-ear television. Well, we would later learn that they're broadcasting Armed Forces Television from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, so we really didn't need all of that. The, the rabbit ears ended up being plenty of reception, and, I mean, it was, it was like watching television back home in many ways. And so we, they, they start the, the Super Bowl with some of the setup, you know, with the, the interviews and things like that. It's not like it is now, where it's like it starts at 
you know, six o'clock in the morning and for 12 hours, it's nothing but, you know, nonsense and progressive and all-state commercials leading up to the Super Bowl. And so they start the, the game, and I remember it so well. They had this wide shot of the field, and then they introduce who's going to be singing the national anthem. None of us knew. I had no idea it was going to be Whitney Houston. By way of, of history, the Super Bowl in 1991, this is the first Super Bowl where they actually had kind of a big-name act at halftime. It was New Kids on the Block. If you go Google the Super Bowl performers at halftime in 1990, there were three people I had never, ever heard of. And also what's unique about Super Bowl 25 is it's shown all around the world for one of the first times in a very, very expanded global audience because of the war. It would not normally have been seen in Saudi Arabia. So there's a lot of great history with Super Bowl 25. And 30 years later, it's being played in Tampa again in 2021, as it was 30 years ago, played in Tampa, which happened to be the home of the Central Command, which was in command of everything going on in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Iraq that year during the war. And there were a lot of concerns about terrorism at that Super Bowl. Of course, none of that stuff ever ever happened. And so we sit down to watch the game, and we have snacks and beef jerky and Cheez-Its and cookies and sodas and things that we purchased at the PX. And they, they introduce, you know, Whitney Houston. And as they get ready for this setup, they cut to an a African-American Marine getting, you know, getting ready to hear the national anthem. He's down on the field. And I just have to tell you, the entire room of guys, there's seven or eight of us watching this, should we all just cut loose on this guy? I mean, he looked like the quintessential black Marine. He looked like he was in the best shape of his life, young guy, had on that white hat, that tan top, just perfect example of a wire-tight Marine, you know, definitely born again hard. And we just unloaded on him. Hey, there's a war, you know, get over here as fast as you can, Marine. You know, don't, don't miss the plane to the war when the Super Bowl's over. And then one of the, one of the black guys said uh, he was just making fun of him because he was very dark-skinned. One of the black guys in the room yelled out, he's so dark that when he went to night school, they marked him absent. So we're just catcalling and, and just ripping all the soldiers they're showing on the field. And they introduce Whitney Houston, and it's... It, I told my friend, Dr. John Reiner, that what happened for the next you know, minute and a half was the most deafening silence I heard during the war. As she's singing, they're you know, showing shots of the crowd, and there's all the flags, and then they cut back to that black Marine who's now at attention, and I mean, all the catcalls have ceased. It's just dead silence. We were all just captivated by that performance it was you know happening as it was in in a time of a real war it was it was just it was memorable it's something i'm never ever going to forget it it had that that rare ability just to transcend the game itself and you know, when it was over i just remember whitney houston coming out in that sweatsuit she had like on this running this jogging outfit and there's, if you watch the video on YouTube, which I've done a couple times, you, the, the way that she waves and the way that she, uh, you know that she knows that she's being seen by millions and millions and millions of people. And for those of us there in Saudi Arabia at the, you know, on the business end of Operation Desert Storm, it's one of those things 
that I'll never forget. And for my part, as I'm sure was the case with a lot of people, I can remember having this thought that morning, that Super Bowl Monday in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia 30 years ago, about where was I the year before? Where had we all been a year before? At a friend's house, at a barbecue, you know, watching the Super Bowl the way Americans do. Again, that secular holiday, you know, the rare times when you have friends over at your apartment. It's, you know, for things like the Super Bowl. And I couldn't, and I think we probably all had that sense of, had anybody told us in January of 1990 that a year later we would be watching the Super Bowl on some off-brand 14-inch color television that was purchased out of a trailer, um, an APHIS trailer, a PX trailer in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, we would have all thought that was very, very impossible, and yet there we were. The other part about Super Bowl Monday that I will never forget was that that very morning I was reporting to a new what we called detail. The Army, and we're now two and a half weeks into the war, the, the Navy, the Marine Corps, and the Air Force are doing the heavy lifting. They're just bombing the bejesus out of everything that they can get their, their hands and, and bomb sites on. And I've got to tell you that one of the reasons we bought the TV is we were starting to settle into a bit of a routine. Every couple of nights, the scud alarms would go off, we'd mask up, we'd get in the hallway or whatever, but things were becoming very routine, so much in fact that I'm like, oh, I've got to get up early and go to, go to work in the morning, this new detail which was going to be over at the King, I think it was the King Fod Air Base or something. It was like their Air Force Academy or something. I'm going to talk more about that uh, next week on this show. And so I had a new detail to report to that morning, but everybody was settling into one of the most dangerous things in a war, and that is a routine. And so on next week's episode, I'm going to talk to you about how I report to this detail and uh, unbeknownst to me, it's going to place me at the epicenter of Saddam Hussein's first big surprise of the war. Because as the Super Bowl ends, the entire world is waiting for the United States and the Allies to make the first move on the ground. And three or four days later, after the Super Bowl, Saddam Hussein is going to shock the world and make the first move himself by invading the Saudi Arabian coastal city of Kafji. And my detail being assigned to the Saudi Arabian Air Academy or Air Base there in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, that week, against all odds, is going to place me exactly where everything is happening. So you do not want to miss our next episode on Thunder and Lightning Operation Desert Storm, the Battle of Kafji. That will be next week. And as a postscript, the national anthem sung by Whitney Houston was so popular after that Super Bowl, you can't imagine this today, that it, they actually released it as a single. It made the top 10 on the top 40 singles in the United States that year. And I'll never forget it, and it's why I'll never kneel during the Star Spangled Banner, because it was, for me, it was one of those moments uh, in the war that you just absolutely cannot forget. Like I said, 30 years later, I hear that rendition, and I just get the chills, and I'm instantly transported back to where I was in that dusty little, you know, uh, community room or whatever it was there in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, huddled around this tiny television watching the Super Bowl and, and that performance. It, it's something I 
and the guys that saw it live, and probably many Americans who remember it will absolutely never forget. And when I heard that Whitney Houston died, as she did so young and so tragically, it was the first thing I thought about and brought quite a bit of sadness because I'd always loved Whitney Houston. So join us next time on Thunder and Lightning, Operation Desert Storm. I'm going to take you into the coastal city of Kafchi, Saudi Arabia, and a good old-fashioned 20th century urban slugfest between the Allies, the Coalition, and the armored infantry of the Iraqi army. On that same trip where we loaded up for the Super Bowl and bought the television, I also purchased a cassette tape, The Greatest Hits of Marvin Gaye. And so that's what we'll get out of here with. We'll talk to you soon. There's too many of you to cry. Brother, brother, there's far too many of you die.